If we've never met before, my name is Adam, and I am the Young Adults Pastor at our church. And I'm very excited because this week we were talking about passing the baton, passing the faith from one generation to another. And we get this idea from the verse in Psalm 145, verse 4, which says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. And if you didn't see it last week, the Right Reverend Frank Vanderswan uh, spoke about this very topic. And Frank has been a pastor at our church for many years. In fact, he was one of the original founders of our church in the 1800s. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but Frank's been at our church for 34 years. Uh, he has performed over a thousand uh, memorial services. Um, hundreds of weddings and baptisms. But a lot of people don't know is Frank at one time was the young adults pastor, which is the role I have now. And so we thought it would be cool for two weeks in a row for us to give a perspective from an older generation to a younger generation speaking to our church, uh, to the younger and the older. Now, some of you are saying, this is great. I am younger. I like Billie Eilish. I like TikTok. I like dressing like it's the 90s again. This is perfect. And some of you are saying, oh, this is, this is great. I'm older. I like setting early tea times at my, golf, uh, at my golf course. I like trimming my rose bushes and wearing socks with my sandals. And I am aware I could get in trouble for these stereotypes. Uh, but there's another group of you who are facing a dilemma right now because you're asking yourself, am I old or am I young? Well, if you have to ask the question, <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you're old, okay? I'm sorry. Now, I want to show you, this is a fishing pole that used to belong to my dad. And one of my favorite things that my dad passed down to me was a love for fishing. I can still remember as a kid, him showing me how to put a worm on the hook or how to reel in a big fish and then to pick it up with your thumb. And about a year ago, I wanted to pass down this love to my kids, to the next generation. And so I brought my two oldest kids to go fishing and my son was learning how to cast. And he was starting, he had great form. He was starting to go forward and release and right about that time, I felt an intense pain in my cheek region. And I was pretty sure I knew what happened, but I uh, put my finger up here for confirmation. My son had hooked me in the cheek. I don't know the last time you've been hooked in the cheek by a fishing hook. It doesn't feel great. And my son, though, his first fishing trip, he had caught something. He caught a 5'10 white male, a California-Oklahoma hybrid species. Way to go, son. He did a good job. I don't know how often you, you think about this, though. Uh, this reality that everything we have is a result of someone passing it down to us. Like our wisdom, our knowledge, our history, our perspectives, our hobbies, these are things that have been given to us from other people. These are not things that we just have created on our own. And of course, this is true with our faith as well. 
The only reason we know about the way of Jesus is because for years and years and years, people have passed on these stories through scripture and through word, and now we know it today. But there's a problem. This problem is this. You, you all are smart people. I don't have to give you a ton of stats for you to know that the church, especially in the Western world, is in decline, especially among younger people. Younger people are less interested in religion and Christianity and Jesus. So this is why this topic that we're talking about today is so vital. Because if we want this way of Jesus to continue, we have to become better at passing it along to another generation. Now, the key to passing a baton or passing anything is the act of releasing. When you pass something, you have to let go of it. You have to give it away. But the tendency when it comes to generational conflict and divide is we will say things like, this is my church. This is my favorite style of worship. This is my kind of preaching. This is our viewpoint. This is our theology. This is the way we do things. This is the opposite of giving and letting go. This is hoarding and accumulating and gripping uh, what is mine. Now, Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, uh, said that his church would be known in a totally different way. He says this in the book of John. He says, I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is generous. Love is a form of giving. To love is to give away. So today we're going to talk about this reality. If we want to pass on our faith to another generation, we have to learn to give. For the rest of our time, we're going to talk about being masters of giving. Now, the first way that we can learn to be masters of giving is we learn how to give wisdom, to give wisdom. Now, this one is primarily for those of you who are in our older generation uh, to give wisdom. As part of my preparation for this sermon, I asked a lot of young adults this question. What is one thing that you want the older generation to know about you as a, a young Christian? And the majority of people wrote down something along the lines of, I want them to know that we need help, that we need guidance and mentorship. Uh, one person said it like this, following Jesus is getting less and less common and more and more criticized. We would love to have older, wiser, more experienced followers of Jesus as part of our lives to balance that out a little and remind us that we aren't crazy for pursuing this Jesus guy and to generally share their wisdom and experience in life and as believers. See, popular culture can all, often be dismissive of older people. Uh, you had your time, uh, now let the younger people take this. You're not important anymore. But that's not the way most young folks feel about it. 
Uh, most of the young folks I know are desperate for guidance. They're desperate for help. This is the reality. We need you. One of my former pastors would often say, if you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're still alive, regardless how old you are, God still has a purpose and a calling for you. And part of this is to give your wisdom and pass it along. When I lived in Chicago, I developed a mentor relationship with a man named Dave. And once a month, we would meet at 6.15 a.m. at a local breakfast diner. And every week we would meet, he would order oatmeal with berries. And every week I would order three eggs, bacon, sausage, and hash browns because of my health nut, because my metabolism worked a lot differently back then. But each week, Dave would give. Some weeks, he would give advice. Some weeks, he would give observations. Some weeks, questions. Some weeks, he would give encouragement. One time, he asked me the question, what are you, what's your biggest dream in this season of life? And I told him it was to record an album of these songs I had been writing for a while, uh, but I just needed to find out a way to raise the money to make it happen. A few weeks later, uh, his family invited our family for Thanksgiving dinner. And at the end of the night, he gave me a card. In the card was a check. And it was a check to cover the expenses to record this album. And he wrote a lot of words in this card, but the four words that stuck out to me, he said, I believe in you. I can't tell you how inspiring, how meaningful and life-giving it was to hear an elder of our community, someone who had been through a lot of life seasons to tell me that he believed in me. We need your encouragement. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And there are ways to do this in our church. You can volunteer in kids' ministry. Uh, you can volunteer in student ministries. Uh, junior high and high school students, maybe more than any other time in life, need guidance and wisdom. Uh, you can volunteer in young adults, and you can mentor a young adult through uh, relationships and faith and business. My challenge to you is that you would not hold on to your lessons and your learnings and keep them to yourself, but you would give them away. If you're not dead, you're not done. Uh, pass along your wisdom. Now, the next way we can become masters of giving is to give empathy, to give empathy. Now, this is for older and younger folks listening. One of the big news stories in the past few weeks is uh, the story of Simone Biles. Now, she is often regarded as the best gymnast uh, in history. And in this past Olympics, she removed herself from several events that she was expected to win. And I happened to be talking to a couple of people that week that were younger and these two people couldn't have been more proud of her decision. They said things like, you know, life is not about performing or achieving or just accumulating medals. It's about being. It's about wellness and health. And they were so happy that she modeled for many people across the world what it means to, uh, to fight for your mental health. Now, a few days later, I talked to someone who happened to be older 
and they had a different perspective. They understood her decision, but they didn't quite agree with it. They felt like she somehow let down her team or her country and that she could have been an example for others of how to have grit, how to persevere, and how to go through hard things. Now, I know with thousands of people listening to this sermon, there are thousands of opinions on what happened. That's not really my point. My point is the younger generation right now is making a change to how we view mental health. It's not uncommon to hear someone say, uh, I'm not going to work today, I'm going to take a mental health day. Or to say, I'm not going out this weekend, I need a mental health break. This younger generation is putting a massive priority on wellness, internal health, emotional, mental health. And this is a change. This is different from the way things used to be. And this is not weird. This is how life has always happened. One generation uh, will come along and then the next one will change things. New philosophies, evolution, progression. This is the way the world works. But what often happens is we uh, step back from a distance and we judge and we label these changes that are happening. What's this world coming to? This world is going to hell in a handbasket. These kids just are different than we used to be. Uh, in response to the question I asked young adults, what is one thing uh, you would want an older generation to know about you? Uh, many people wrote uh, what I can summarize by saying, uh, I wish they could understand how hard it is to be a Christian in these days and times. I wish they could understand. And this is what empathy is. Empathy is seeking to understand. It's seeking to see things from a new perspective. It's seeking to understand instead of looking from a distance and judging, it's going close, trying to see things through other people's eyes. Now, younger folks, you're not off the hook for this one either. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was having dinner with my grandma and grandpa. And they were both born at the end of the Depression. And specifically, my grandpa grew up in an impoverished part of the country, uh, and he grew up in poverty. He was the first person in his family to graduate high school. His family would have to scrounge and hunt uh, for what they would have to eat. They would eat things occasionally like skunks and squirrels. And then I thought about, I was sitting there with my grandparents, I thought about the amount of change they've seen in 90 years. His grandson lives in Silicon Valley and doesn't have to scrounge for food, but can get on his phone and can order a burrito and in 30 minutes it's delivered to his door. And so I started looking at my grandparents and I couldn't help but empathize with them. Man, this world is so different than what they came to know. What they developed their foundation on is totally gone. I started thinking through, how would I operate if I was born in the 20s or 30s or 40s, and now I lived in this world that operates on technology and data and the internet? See, young folks, what we can tend to do is we can stand at a distance and we can label and judge. Uh, those folks are out of touch. They're dinosaurs. They just don't get it. They're behind the times. What if we gave empathy? What if instead of standing from a distance, we drew closer and we sought 
to understand. And we asked questions. Jesus never mentioned the word empathy, uh, but he practiced it and he taught about it. Tax collectors and prostitutes and Samaritans and sinners, these were all kinds of people that were labeled. And people stood at a distance and they judged. Uh, But Jesus uh, got close. He drew in and he helped others see things through the perspective of the other. And in a world that is divisive, imagine if the church became known as the place uh, where we were slow to judge and we were quick to listen and empathize. Uh, Imagine if unity was a bigger value than keeping my own preferences. And this kind of community would be compelling and contagious. So we give wisdom, we give empathy. And the final way we become masters of giving is we give honor, give honor. And this one's primarily uh, for you younger uh, folks in our audience. Uh, now, these, are, these books right here are sermon books that were passed down to me from my great-grandpa, uh, my great-grandpa, Papa. And Papa was married to Mama. I know I'm from Oklahoma. We use those kind of words. And Papa and Mama were devoted followers of Jesus. My mom recently told me that every morning mama would get up early and she would sit at her kitchen table and she would spend time in scripture and in prayer. And this was passed down to her kids and now her grandkids and great grandkids to this day. And Papa, I I never got to meet him. He died before I was born. Uh, He was painting a steeple in the local church and he fell and uh, he passed away at a young age. But as this tragedy happened, my grandpa, G-Dad, stay with me here, uh, G-Dad, this became the catalyst for him to re-enter the ministry and he became a preacher and a pastor for the rest of his career. Now, what I can often do is I find myself in a situation like this and I can say, man, I did this myself. The reason I'm here is because of my grit, my perseverance, my work, my intellect. I got myself here. When the reality is, every place I am is a result of who came before me. The fact that I am a preacher and a pastor is not a coincidence. My grandpa was a preacher and a pastor. My great-grandpa was a preacher and a pastor. I'm a result of those who came before me. Sir Isaac Newton was writing a, a letter to a fellow scientist about all the amazing and breakthrough work he had done. And he said this, if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. He was talking about the work of scientists before him. He was standing on their shoulders. You and I, we are all standing on the shoulders of giants. We often forget this. We get entitled. I earn this. This is my life. Uh, This is my progress, my career, my journey. And we forget those who have sacrificed for us to get to this point. And we often neglect to give honor and gratefulness uh, for the giants that got us there. So right now, I would love to publicly give some honor 
uh, Frank Vanderswan, who I've already mentioned. I sat with him last month for a couple of hours, and he, he just told me stories after story of the amount of times that he would be in a hospital uh, and he would sit with a family who just went through the worst tragedy of their life. And the amount of times Frank was able to be Christ in that situation. He could bring peace and love to family time after time. He's 34 years, uh, just held down this church. And so Frank, I want to honor you. I want to publicly say thank you for all you've done. We are standing on your shoulders. To our elders and former ministers and volunteers from the past 140 years, through economic hardships, through crises, uh, they have kept this church going. They have sacrificed and worked. We honor you. We honor you. We are standing on your shoulders. To all of you pioneers who left and gave up your comfort here and you went out to Mountain View and San Mateo and then Saratoga and San Jose, South City, you gave up so much so this faith could be passed on to others. You are giants. We honor you. We are standing on your shoulders. For me, Gigi, Grandma, grandpa, mom, you all have given and given and given. I'm standing on your shoulders. I honor you. Thank you. When is the last time that you have honored, reached out to someone uh, who has sacrificed for you? Someone who has helped you get to this point? My encouragement to you is to maybe write a letter, make a phone call, somehow reach out to this person from a past generation and just let them know that you are standing on their shoulders. Because the reality is one day we will be passing this baton to another generation. This is how it works. This is the way. So our master. Our rabbi Jesus uh, was in anguish. He was in the Garden of Eden and he knew the brutal road he was about to walk. And the writer Luke says he was in such anguish that sweat was dropping from him like blood. And he was wrestling with God. And he says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, Not my will, but yours be done. Our rabbi, our teacher, our master shows us the way. He let go of his agenda and he gave his life. He gave everything for others. This is our teacher. This is the way. This is love and they will know us by the way we love one another. And so, my friends, may we become a church that gives. May we not hold on to our own agendas and preferences. Uh, Older folks, may you give wisdom and empathy. Younger folks, may you give back that empathy 
and give honor to those who've come before you. And may we bless each other and pass on this faith to another generation.